Coming up, I'm going to teach you the key to winning in leadership. And then, how do you actually grow leaders around you? Plus, we'll coach you up. If you're ready, I'm ready. Let's go. Welcome to the Ken Coleman Show, where we're committed to helping you grow personally so you can grow professionally. As if you're winning in your work life, you got a chance to win in the other areas of your life. Let's get to this. I hear all the time from those of you uh, who are either considering a move into management, which is leadership, uh, or you are new in a leadership role, or you've been in a leadership role and maybe you're burned out, you're fried, you feel like you just can barely keep your nose above water. And so today we're going to focus on two key areas of your leadership. One, how you win in leadership. What is the simple key? And then two, how do you develop leaders? So we're going to talk about that. So let's start off with, I've never in my life had anybody explain this core idea of winning in leadership better than the legendary Hall of Famer, the icon, University of Tennessee basketball coach, women's basketball, Pat Summit. And uh, this is, for some of you who've been watching me and listening to me for a while, we're going to show you just a clip of an interview I had the opportunity to do with her many years ago. So this is very grainy because, quite frankly, the technology wasn't as good as it is today, and I was a whole lot younger. But I was asking her uh, and doing a deep-dive interview on leadership, and I want you to hear what she says here, and then we'll play off of it. Let's roll it. I remember the first loss, uh, <laughs> probably more than the first win. And I knew after the game, I just didn't do a good job, you know, and I, I was young. And I remember calling home, and I said, um, is Dad there? So she handed him the phone, and he I've never heard him say hello. He said, all right. Well, I was so nervous because I knew, you know, he knows how competitive we all are, and he's competitive. And, and I said, hey, Dad, and he goes, did you win? And I said, no, sir. We lost. Long pause, and I didn't know what he was going to say, other than you need to get out of coaching. But he said, um, so you lost? I said, yes, sir. He said, let me tell you one thing. You don't take donkeys to the Kentucky Derby. You better get you some race horses. Wow. And he hung up. <laughs> he never said bye. He never right. said hello or goodbye. Right. But I knew what he was saying to me. And it, it, it really shaped me in terms of my philosophy to understand that you win in life with people. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not about me. I've never scored a basket for the University of Tennessee. You know, and I'm starting my 36th year. It's all about the people you surround yourself with and what they bring to the court, to the game, and uh, to understanding that it is a team concept and they have to do it together. So there it is, as simple as it gets. You know, leadership can be so very complex. But this little line, this lesson that Pat Summit's dad taught her, you don't take donkeys to the Kentucky Derby, is such a powerful lesson. It's about the people that you assemble. This is an essential lesson. So let's break it down. Your ability to lead, your success... As a leader, as a manager, whatever you want to call yourself, your ability to lead is based entirely on your ability to assemble the right people on your team. 
You can listen to every podcast on leadership, read every leadership book there is. You could give great pep talks. You could have great relationship with your team. But if you don't have the right people in the right roles, in other words, the right seat on your bus, your impact as a leader is limited. Now, for some of you that are still going, okay, Ken, is this a little dramatic? No. All right, let's just consider this idea that your ability to lead, your greatness as a leader is completely built on the people you have on your team. Now, let's do an extreme example of this, and this is going to be a bit controversial for some of you football fans. I want you to think about Bill Belichick, now the former head coach of the New England Patriots. Prior to that, he was the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. I want you to just think about his record. I want you to think about his brand. Many people, I could line up NFL expert after NFL expert here on the show, and they would say that Bill Belichick is undoubtedly one of the greatest coaches of all time, due largely to his record and how many Super Bowls he has won. But I'll take you back to what Pat Simmons said in that interview clip. She said, in my 36 years... I've never scored a basket for the University of Tennessee. And Bill Belichick never ran the ball, didn't throw the ball, didn't make a tackle. But he did have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time who set the tongue. Let's look at Bill Belichick's coaching record with Tom Brady. 249 wins, 75 losses, a 76% winning percentage, and don't forget the six Super Bowls. But let's look at the record without Tom Brady, Nathan. This is kind of fascinating. This is You can't argue this, by the way. I'm setting you people up. Here's Bill Belichick's record without Tom Brady as a starting quarterback. 84 wins, 103 losses, a 44% winning percentage. That's pretty pedestrian. That's not legendary, is it, Nathan? No. Coaches get fired for a 44% win-loss record. Oh, zero Super Bowl titles. Now, here's the deal. You can't just win a game with a quarterback, but having the right quarterback, Tom Brady, lifts everybody. I recently saw an interview of uh, with one of his receivers during that time, and Julian Edelman, I believe it was, who said, we worked for Bill, we played for Tom. Oh, that's rich. That is what I'm getting at, leaders. It's not all on you, and it can't be all on you. You got to have the right people in the right seats of the bus. Your team should make you look better than you are. And Tom Brady and a, a, a whole cast of characters on those teams made Bill Belichick look better than he is. So does Bill Belichick get credit for assembling a great team? Sure. I'm having a little bit of fun with this, but you cannot deny the numbers. So I would tell you that any credit that Bill Belichick gets for being great It's that he gave Tom Brady a chance. He kind of had to, but he did stay with him when he got hot. I'll give him credit for that. I'll give him some credit. But but my point here is is that we only talk about Bill Belichick as the greatest coach maybe of all time because he had Tom Brady. Without Tom Brady, he sucks. And here's my point. Without great people on your team, the right talent is what we're talking about that determines great. The right talent on your team you're not going to be a great leader. So, 
if identifying and picking talent is a key leadership skill, and I believe it's the leadership skill, the most important, you got to develop that skill in yourself. Think of your team as a bus. All right, so if I manage 20 people, that's my bus. If I manage 200 people or lead 200 people, that's my bus. You don't just need the right people. You need them in the right seat. So how do you find those people and make sure that they're sitting in the best seat? You start by checking these boxes. Number one, do they have the core talent and skill set and experience to do the job? Competency is what we're talking about here. Number two, do they enjoy doing the work? I mean, you could be skilled at something and not enjoy it. Three, do they love how their skill set and experience and the results of the work tie into the mission of the team and to what they believe in? That's important. In other words, do they have the talent? Do they have the passion? Do they have a sense of mission? In other words, as I say this all the time, are they good at it? Do they enjoy it? Do they care deeply about the results they're creating? So when was the last time you actually evaluated your team? Again, let's use a simple example. Maybe you lead 10 people. Was the last time you looked at those 10 people and the seats they're sitting on and say, are they in the right seat? Let me look at the seat first, not the person. What's the seat require? Does that person meet those needs? If you can't say yes with confidence, that just became your number one leadership priority. Now that leads us to what we're going to cover next. Coming up, how then, as we go through and look at the seats on the bus, matching up with people, how do we then now take on the next big part of this, which is developing leaders? In other words, growing leaders. I would submit to you that leadership is not about production, it's about reproduction, and we're going to cover that idea next. Because leaders, you get the right people in the right seat, and then begin to learn how to develop and grow leaders to then fill seats. Now you're a winner and a champion. Hey, high school seniors and parents of high school seniors, it's almost graduation time. And if you're not sure about next steps, I want you to listen to this. Coding skills are essential in today's workforce. And my friends at Bethel Tech can help you start a new career really fast and do it cheap. It only takes nine months to complete a Bethel Tech course in UI, UX design, full stack development, data science, or cybersecurity. And your young person can get over a thousand hours of experience in a collaborative environment and then get placed. The average starting salary for a junior developer is $66,000. And the field is projected to grow by 22% over the next five years. Software development is a career with an enormously bright future. And right now, Bethel Tech is offering you 10% off if you watch or listen to The Ken Coleman Show and you pay cash. So go to BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman. BethelTech.net slash Ken Coleman right now for details. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, so how do you grow leaders? How do you grow them internally? This is a big, big skill set that leaders have to have before we get to that real quick if you're looking for new opportunities but feel like you're getting passed over in your in your organization um 
you're connecting, networking, sharing your resume, putting in a lot of effort, but you feel like you're not getting anything back. It's exhausting, and then it becomes discouraging. Well, um, whether that's because you want a new job or you just want to get promoted in your current job, you got to start doing it differently. There's a way to break through all that frustration, and I've created a process that takes the fear out of the connecting, and, and, and it allows you to connect at a really high rate and an efficient rate so that you're turning connections into opportunities. If you need that, I've got a free webinar coming up on Tuesday, February 20th at 11 Central. So noon Eastern, 11 Central, Tuesday, February 20th. You can just eat along with us, pack a lunch that day, order in Uber Eats, whatever you decide, and join me for a free webinar. And I'm going to do a deep dive on how to turn connections into opportunities where doors open for you, where people are inviting you to walk in. This is possible. Go to kencoleman.com slash webinars, kencoleman.com slash webinars, and it's free. So there you go. Pass the word along to somebody and maybe in your friend group or family group that, uh, maybe need this. By the way, help us continue to grow, would you, if you're enjoying the program? Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you do that by liking with a thumbs up right below the video window, subscribing to our channel, and then sharing. And if you're listening via podcast, give us a follow, a five-star review, and share. Thank you very much. All right. How do we grow leaders? How do we do it? So, uh, I don't know if anybody on the team has ever heard this story before, but the very first job I had, I was 14 years of age, and I lived in uh, the uh, 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 Tidewater coastal area of southeast Virginia. Have you heard this story before, Nathan? You have. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you have to hear it again. Uh, first job. And, and, and somebody asked me the other day, why would you choose this job? Because it's a brutal job. And the answer is I didn't choose it. My dad chose it for me. My dad had a connection with Anderson Greenhouse and Florist. And so Anderson, excuse me, was known for having the best poinsettias. Now, if you don't know what a poinsettia is, it is that lovely red, bright red Christmas plant. And what you may not know or care to know, so I'll brush right through this, is poinsettias need a very, very cultivated environment to grow. Uh, and so my job was, as a 14-year-old, by the way, making four twenty-five an hour, which was I thought was huge. $4.25 an hour, 14, first job. And so my job was to simply help the lead grower, who was a veteran old crusty guy named Nick. Nick had a bad attitude all the time, but let me tell you what Nick loved. Nick loved poinsettias. And so Nick said, here's what your job is. You're going to have to get the greenhouses ready from the spring plants. We have three greenhouses that have to be completely emptied. They have to be cleaned they have to be covered with these giant tarps. And you got to get this these greenhouses pristine. I got to be able to eat a sandwich off of these tables that we're going to grow these poinsettias on. And so that was my job. And I'm not going to get into all the, all the minutia of it, but I had to scrub concrete floors with an iron brush. I had to drag these heavy tarps and walk on this little foot distance, these beams, not fall into the greenhouse. It was a, it was a back-breaking job. While I was doing that, there were these two Vietnamese guys, cousins, Vin and Sin. They were amazing. <clears throat> and their job was to cut from these mature poinsettia plants, 
to find the best leaf and branch structures of those plants, cut them, and those would then go in these little canisters and become and grow under the most ideal conditions possible. They would grow into full-blown plants, and that's how you would take a mother plant, these little leaf cuttings, put them in a styrofoam hole, they grow big plants. Okay, so you get the process. I was the guy who had to help create the environment, no disease, perfect temperature, no sun beating down on them. That's the idea. And so I want you to catch that story right now. If you're in leadership and you're going, I need to win as a leader, your ability to win as a leader is yes to get the right talent, and part of getting the right talent sometimes is growing leaders underneath of you or around you. So I want you to think of that that metaphor, which is a real-life story of how to grow poinsettias. All right, so there's three disciplines. Discipline number one is you have to create an environment where you can actually grow leaders. So how do you do that? Well, number one, it's got to be an environment where people feel seen, heard, and valued, like you care about them, you want to help them win. In other words, people if, if people don't want to be there, I promise you they won't want to lead there. It's that simple. Second, you got to model the way. The values of the organization, your values as a leader, you cannot ask somebody to do what you aren't already doing. So you have to live your values, the team's values, the company values. You have to model the way. Show, not tell. And in doing those two things, valuing people, seeing them, hearing them, helping them win in their role, caring about them personally, and then you modeling the way, people want to follow that person. And so now we've created an environment where people want to be there. And then naturally, people that want to be there want to grow there. And people that want to grow there are potential leaders. So just as I had to create an environment for the poinsettias to grow, you have to create an environment where people can grow. And when people are growing, they will have the opportunity and they will raise their hand. They'll show you their potential. That leads to the second thing. You have to look for, identify, you have to scout, you have to observe where there is potential. So it starts by going, hey, where is I? where do I as a leader need some leadership? I can't do it all. So if I look at my team, those seats on the bus, and I look at that and I go, okay, where do I need some leadership help? Now, remember I said, uh, as we were going into the, the last break, I want to bring it back up, real leadership, like true, authentic, good, sustainable leadership, to me, is defined not by production, but by reproduction. In other words, a person who just takes on the role of a manager is just, it's all about just let's check the boxes, let's get everything done, let's keep the train on the tracks. That's not great leadership, that's good managership. That's all about production. Leadership is about reproduction. Can I reproduce me? Right? Can I grow other leaders and now we grow the organization? So understanding where do I need some leadership? What are some gaps in the organization? I begin to see that. In other words, I go, here's a seat that needs some leadership. And now that I know that, I begin to look at potential people. Right? In other words, who can lead? And then who wants to lead? See, that's the key. Can they lead? Do they want to lead? Now, that, that, you got to be both. 
Because there are people who can lead, but they don't want to lead. I wouldn't. I, that, that to me, it's not good leadership to put that person there. Leadership is about servanthood. It should be one of the most selfless acts out there. It is incredibly taxing, and not everybody wants that, and that's okay. And then third, once we begin to see people recruit, identify, scout, select, we go, okay, now I have to develop them. So back to the poinsettia story. After I got those greenhouses ready, and Vin and Sin put the cuttings in there. Now we had this elaborate watering system, and crusty old Nick checked on those poinsettias multiple times a day. He made sure they had the right food, plant food. Did they get enough water? Uh, do we need to replace? He was developing. He was growing. He was checking in on. He was pouring into, making sure that the environment was right, still right. He was making sure that the cuttings that were chosen were in fact able to lead and he made sure they were getting what they needed to be able to grow. That's your job. That's how we develop them. In other words, we teach them how to lead. We empower them to lead and we coach them along the way. That's how we do it. And if you do that, let me tell you something, people will see great results you will get credit for great leadership, and you will deserve it. You won't be overrated like Bill Belichick. You will be the real article. Let me tell you something. Winning in leadership is the key to continual growth. It is doable, and I just gave you a short masterclass. This is The Ken Coleman Show. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Don't we all need help being better? And they're great at it. You know, we all carry around a lot of stress from our family life and our professional life, and it can just hit us at the same time. Big stuff, small stuff. And we can talk to our friends, or maybe you have a great relationship with a leader at work or a coworker, but you may not feel comfortable telling them everything. I know I wouldn't. And when we keep things bottled up, it will eventually leak out, and it's really negative. But therapy, it's a safe space to get everything off your chest with an unbiased professional and figure out how to work through the stuff that's weighing you down. So if you've thought of therapy before, you're thinking about it now, please try BetterHelp. Therapy isn't just for people who've gone through trauma. It's great to build skills, to become better personally and professionally. And BetterHelp is flexible enough to fit your busy schedule because it's completely online. All you do is fill out a short questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists at any time for no extra cost. It's time to get stuff off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ken today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Ken. All right, welcome back to the Ken Coleman Show. Time to coach some folks up and Carter's up next. Uh, in, and I don't even know how to say that. Lano, Texas. That's a new one for me. Carter, you are on the Ken Coleman Show. What's going on? Oh, it's going well. I bet you can. You know, I uh, can't complain, and if I did, you wouldn't want to hear it. So, you know, <laughs> it's pretty good. What's going on with you? I'm here to coach you up today. I'm excited. I got a little extra juice today, so hopefully it helps. Okay. Um, I currently have been working in the – uh, construction industry. I've done a little bit of everything from plumber all the way up to right now. I'm currently welding. 
and I'm I do it because I'm good at it, and yeah. I know that I can make money with it. Good. And, but I've never, I guess, um, enjoyed it a hundred percent. It's like I said, it's just something that I know I can make money with. Right. And I was trying to look for for some advice into transferring from doing what I'm doing now in the construction industry to being able to go to college and um, become a teacher slash coach. Okay. Uh, just take me all the way down the line. Let's assume we went to college and we got what we needed to become a teacher and uh, we, we just got hired and you're calling me back. You go, Coleman, you're not going to believe where I'm, where I'm at right now. Paint that picture for me. What are you doing? What's that look like? Teaching and coaching. Uh, okay. As you said, I, I live near Lano, Texas. They're, they're 11, man. And, it would be I'd want to go to a smaller school, which is a six-man football team here in Texas, and it would just, I mean, blow my mind. I've always had the want and and slash need to, as you were talking about earlier, is uh, to be a leader and to, to lead it. the next generation. Up. I love it. So, so you're teaching during the day. What are you teaching? Yes, sir. I'd be teaching math. Teaching math, because that's the way your brain works. That's why you're good at plumbing and all that heavy machinery and all that stuff. My brain's dark. Yours is lit up like a Christmas tree. It's good. It's good. I'm just getting a picture, my man. And I think it's important. You know why I'm having you do this for me? Because I'm really having you do it for yourself. I want you painting the destination. That's what I want us to do, and we're doing it. So you're teaching math during the day. Are you the head coach? I would be the head defensive coach. You're the DC, the defensive coordinator. <laughs> yes, sir. You're talking to a football guy, man. You can use football terms with me. <laughs> now, why yeah. six man versus eleven man? Um, because I, I grew up in a, a six man, and I went to uh, Lubbock, Texas, to okay. play eleven man, and it just it wasn't the same. It was a a little bit slower pace. Yeah, it has the yeah. same type of hits and everything. But now, I've seen seven-man uh, at smaller schools in Tennessee. Six is really breaking my brain. What's the form, I, What's the formation like on offense? On offense, you would have three on the line. You'd have your quarterback. Um, you would either have a an out receiver and or two running backs. Okay. So you have two in the backfield, quarterback, three linemen. Okay. So, boy, there's a and the, and the field, I'm guessing, is not as wide? No, sir. Uh, it's 40 yards by 80. Okay, gotcha. So it's still football. It's just a lot less people. Yes, sir. A lot of throwing yep. versus running? A l- well, they're, they're trying to transition into, into throwing and sprint, playing spread, but it, it, it just doesn't work as well as long as you have a good defense. Right. Okay. All right. So that's why six man is what you grew up playing and you want to come back where you are. You'd love to be in your roots area. That makes total sense. So how much money are you making now in the trades? Um, it, it really all depends on, on what the weather is doing. My a normal week is from eight to 1500. Okay. So give me an idea of your tax returns the last couple of years. Just give me an average. Rough, roughly. Uh, tax return, like what I get back. Yeah, no, 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 no. Just what your what your what your gross income has been the last couple oh, of years. Um, mine and my wives have been from fifty to eighty. Okay, and the reason and they, I'm asking that is because that's going to lead us next to you know. So, so here's what we do: when somebody calls me up on them, there's four questions we have to ask and answer. Right, first one is the education question: What do I need to learn? 
Uh, my guess is, I mean, it, well, we know this is a field where you must have a, a college degree. So we know we got to get a degree to get into teaching and coaching. So we got to have a bachelor's. Check, right? Right? Yes, sir. All right. Sorry. So now we do the experience question. What experience am I going to need? Well, coming out, you know, you might get a teaching job right away, but you may have to, you know, be a lowly assistant for a while. Who knows? So, you know, you're just going to have to work your way up teaching and coaching. We got the experience box. Check. All right. So the third question is the economic question. How much is this going to cost? So what is the absolute cheapest tuition uh, that you can, what, what, where can you get to this bachelor's degree for the cheapest, the lowest amount of money? Do you know what that is and how much? I honestly have not even looked. It's we've got my my wife's going through college right now, so we were okay waiting to get her out and then completely pay off everything that we've got before I even thought about Perfect. going to college. Okay, if you have debt, plan. yes. Okay, so listen, if you have debt, then that's what I want you to do. Okay, so let's walk yeah. through the last question, and now I think I, I'm answering what you want to know from me. Um, but I'll give the ball back to you here in a second. But I, I look at the economic question. What's it going to cost me? The answer is you don't know right now. And so you got to go look that up. What kind of scholarships would you have available? Can you do uh, two years uh, or online associates and then transfer? You know, look at the cheap – because here's my point. Nobody cares where you went to school. They just care that you're qualified to teach. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So don't spend one nickel extra – on a brand name college, if we can do if we can do the associates and then transfer in, we're doing everything we can for the least amount of money. Okay, all right. Okay. So that's the economic question. So you need to go get that answer because that's a number, and you do all that homework and go through scholarships. What can I do? The point is, you get a number that says, okay, this is what's going to cost me. Now the wife gets out, and I love this. We're going to pay off all our debt before you even get after it. All right. Now in the trades, I think you could be making more. I think you could be making way more if I'm not mistaken. Tell me where I'm wrong there. I think you personally, with your skill set, could be making way more money, and I think you need to, A, to get out of debt faster, and B, cash flow or pile up cash to pay for your degree. Talk to me about that. Um, it, it, Like I said, Lano, Texas is a small town, and I've worked, um, I did pipeline for about three years or whatnot, and I was, I was bringing in, 25 to to 3,000 a week, but doing that, that traveling uh, so far and it, it put wear and tear on your vehicle. And then on top of that, you're living for two separate households at, while you're doing that. I've got a, a wife of seven years and then a daughter that I've had for eight. And it's just, it, it put a lot of wear and tear on it. us. So I going it. and chasing that kind of, that kind of bigger money was was not the okay. not the choice that that we wanted to well, to but end that up was the way you chased it. So my question is, if it's not pipeline, is it? Can I make more money as a plumber? I understand Lano's small, but is there a bigger town twenty minutes away in the county? Like, I guess my point is, you need to be turning over as many rocks as possible that don't wreck your life like the previous venture did. But you can't also say that the only way I can make more money is what I did last time, which was your knee jerk reaction to me. Am I making sense? Yes, sir. I mean, I'm challenging you because that's why you called. Yes. Yes, sir. Did I answer? What, did I answer the question that you wanted to get answered, or is there something else? Tell me, because uh, no. I don't. I don't know. I just like I said, I'm not. It's just it's moving through the motions at the moment. 
So and you're not sure, like you were saying, in in in, in Lano, Texas, I, that is a 20 minute drive for me. That that's the closest town to where I live. Oh, you're out in the boonies. Yes, sir. So what's your question yep. for me? Should you do this? Should you pursue this or not? Is that the question? It. How do I pursue it? Okay, great. I, that's I, what I thought. Which is what I've been answering, right? Yes, sir. So those four questions: the education question. The experience question, the economic question, the expectation question is the fourth one. How long is it going to take to to do all this? That's how you come up with a plan. So then it's not so intimidating. So what do I need to learn? Education question. I got to get a bachelor's. What experience do I need? Well, I got to get out, get in the school system, start teaching, start coaching, work my way up. Uh, What's it going to cost? You got to go do your homework on that. And then, based on what it costs, how long is this going to take? Well, we got to pay off my wife's debt or our debt. Then we got to cash flow. So you start to come up with a number. And I'm making this up, but maybe it's five years from now, maybe it's six years from now, maybe it's seven, maybe it's four. You following me? Yes, sir. All right, that's the process, and that's how we come up with the plan. And now that we got a plan, it's not so scary. It's not so intimidating. So that's it. Those four questions get the answers. And now we know where we're going or how we're going to get there. It's not so scary. This is The Ken Coleman Show. Thanks for listening to The Ken Coleman Show. For more, you can find the show on demand wherever you listen to podcasts and watch the show on YouTube. You can also find Ken across all social media by following at Ken Coleman.